Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen. And Kyle. And by the time you hear this, it's probably past Thanksgiving, so I hope everyone had a awesome holiday weekend, got to spend some time with your family, if that's possible, considering all the craziness going on in the world. Oh, shit. <laughs> regardless, hope you had a good time, ate some good food, and was miserable for a little bit, but kicked out of it. Um, I got a, I guess it's a cryptid story. Uh, it's kind of up in the air. Might be an alien, might be cryptid, might be a men in black. Either way, we're going to get to that in a little bit. I had an awesome, fun time diving down that rabbit hole. But first, we got to get through the business. So check us out at all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Hop over there, search Apollo Sky, and you'll find us. Leave us some memes, some funny stuff, some weird stuff. Anything you find on the internet that you feel pertains to our little project, please feel free to share it. If you have a personal experience with the unexplained and the paranormal you'd like to share, Kyle's going to tell you how to do it. You can record your voice on just about anything. You can use the video on your phone. You can use your voice memo app, record your story, and shoot it over to the email. And the email is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. You can also just write your story out if you want to do it that way and shoot it over and we'll read it. You can get a hold of us on any of our social medias and tell us what's up. Hell yeah. We're on there all the time. Let's go. We try to get back to everybody. I know I'm not the greatest at it because I got a lot of stuff going on, but I do try to respond and interact as much as I can. Uh, We have a Patreon set up. If anybody would like to uh, support the podcast in that way, shape, or form, feel free to go to Patreon slash Hollow Sky Podcast, I think. And choose a tier, sign up for it, get some cool stuff, some extra content, some stickers and shit like that. Also, we have a Venmo set up. If you want to throw a little change in there toward the Monster Fund, we do appreciate it. Bringing that delicious goodness to the podcast. Absolutely. Another way you can support us is going to your podcatcher, whatever you listen to, and leaving us a five-star rating and review. Helps us push us up through all the other podcasts and makes us more visible and easily accessible to people searching for dope-ass podcasts. Uh, Usually we check out iTunes and uh, Apple Podcasts. I know I'm bad about looking at all the other ones because this is the one that I use the most, but I try to check them out. Chances are if you leave us a five-star rating and review over there, we will shout you out. Today's uh, five-star rating and review... I think we've got one from him before, but he likes to get on here and listen to me shout him out. So this is from Big Chungus or Everett. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome podcast. Five stars. Good job, guys. The podcast is great, and I love listening to it all the time, especially on long car ri- car rides from your son. And he signs off with Get a Dog, Little Lonnie. So... uh. That is the fruit of my loins, folks. Sick. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Everett, for supporting your old man, bud. Hell yeah. Um, with that, we have our listener uh, experience of the day brought to us by our friend Marshall. He's got a dope-ass story to tell us, so we are about to dive into that. What up, guys? Marshall from Southern Illinois checking in. I was just uh, re-listening to the episode on sleep paralysis, and I had thought about this like last year or whenever when I first 
listened to that episode and uh, never did call in about it. But I don't know if I've necessarily experienced sleep paralysis as far as like having some old hag or like black faced person sitting on my chest or anything like that. But I have had some other strange um, experiences while sleeping. And this actually happened more so when I was younger than as an adult because uh, one of the, well actually two of the instances both took place at my dad's house in my bedroom there when I was a kid. My parents were separated. My mom's in Illinois, my dad's in Missouri, so I'd, you know, kind of be bouncing back and forth. Um, and it wasn't just secluded to his house. It, it's happened at other places, but the two most prominent memories that I can remember um, happened at his house in my room there. Um, one of them, and I'm going to do my best to basically just explain the feeling as much as I can and maybe the sensation because it's really weird but essentially I would wake up and uh, I would either feel like I was super tiny like I, I would just wake up and it would feel like everything around me was just a million miles away it doesn't matter if it was my pillow my blanket my dresser across the room anything like it I just felt like I had shrunk down to the size of an ant and like there was this this weird sensation that I don't even know if I can put into words that would come over me and it was a like a bit of a fear but like an anxiety um but not like intense it's just really strange um but yeah I it, you know how like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can kind of like your eyes have adjusted to the dark and you can see throughout your room you might not be able to see in detail but you can kind of see around like even like with my eyes open things just still felt super far away like totally distorted which you know looking back on it makes me think i was maybe like still half asleep when this was happening and i was dreaming this but, you know, a part of my brain was awake. You notice firing on different different receptors there. Um, but the opposite of that has happened, too, where I have felt like I was, uh, like I, was I, I woke up and I felt like I was, like, a giant stuffed in this tiny space, you know. And, like, my it felt like my head was just, like, you know, bigger than the universe. Um, another weird phenomenon that I have experienced also uh, when I was younger was a very similar uh, experience, except this, this only happened once. This is a one-time thing for me, and this is a weird one. Um, I fell asleep with my light on in my bedroom. This was again at my dad's house, Florissant, Missouri. Fell asleep with my light on and uh, woke up at some point in the night and I remember being uh, at the beginning being like basically paralyzed like sleep paralysis style not being able to move um, and I could feel a presence in my room and I could almost see the presence but it's not a human presence and it's not a being 
uh, it's not an animal presence. What it is is a sphere that takes up the circumference of my room. So if you could imagine, picture any bedroom that you're familiar with and a giant clear but still visible, almost like a force field or energy field sphere expanded to as, as big as it could be in your room, floor to ceiling, wall to wall, um, a sphere. And by just not being able to move and not necessarily from a pressure, but I think, again, just from being half asleep and, you know, your body is still sleeping, but your head is, is starting to wake up and come aware of some weird thing that's happening uh, to you or around you. Not sure, but uh, super strange. And that, that one's only hit me once. And I wouldn't mind that again sometime to experience it as an adult. Um, the closest thing that I can really say uh, <laughs> is uh, in my early 20s, I was at a music festival and I got a chance to blast off on some DMT. And when I blasted off on the DMT, I... Uh, it's funny, the guy that I uh, that made the experience possible for me gave me a set of brass knuckles to hold, and there was a giant quartz crystal in the middle. Um, a supposed chunk of the Pyramid of Giza at the top, and then the biggest piece of Moldavite that I have ever seen in my entire life. And uh, this was at a music festival in northern Arkansas, probably about, I would say, 10, 8 to 10 years ago. But anyways, uh, so I'm holding this uh, antenna to the other realm as I uh, intake the spirit molecule. If you aren't familiar with DMT, it's, uh, I mean, I'm no scientist, so I don't know if I'll do the best of explaining it, but it's essentially um, a psychedelic substance that your brain produces uh, when you sleep. Your pineal gland in your head uh, secretes DMT, uh, and it's actually what makes you dream. So by inhaling DMT, you uh, and exhaling it and sending it through your system, you know, in a in a in a, in a higher dose than obviously what you get when you're sleeping, you um, essentially will dream while you are awake, and it is pretty intense. And if you're into psychedelics, I would recommend it, but. Um, Anyways, when I blasted off on the DMT, I remember um, basically leaving, like, my, my consciousness leaving my body and my head floating in space and in front of me. And I couldn't tell, again, if this was, um, I couldn't tell if this was happening right in front of my face and I was giant, like I was the size of the universe. Um, and this was a, a small thing happening right in front of my face, or if I was super tiny and this was a giant thing happening far away, but was just so big. I could, but anyways, uh, during this experience, I basically watched the formation of a entire galaxy. Like I watched the big bang. Um, I watched, uh, the fiery molten materials gravitate around a, a, a giant, you know, sunny, molten source and basically watched galaxies uh, and universes be created. And it was quite the experience. But um, as an adult, 
the DMT is basically the only thing um, other than some meditation that has got me to the point that I was at when I was younger uh, and experienced these um, situations where I was half awake and uh, feeling, you know, super tiny or super big in an expansive room or this weird sphere. Um, both of which happened while I was sleeping, possibly dreaming, um, which would mean that every time I've experienced this, with the exception of the couple times I've meditated and got to a deep enough space to start to kind of feel these similar feelings, um, was technically on DMT, because when I was a kid, I was dreaming, and it happened, and when I was adult, I, uh, well, I smoked it, <laughs> but, um, I just thought that'd be a fun little tidbit to share a couple different experiences of the sleep world and the psychedelic um hope you guys enjoyed and good job on the podcast it is very entertaining all right a lot to unpack with that one but first off thanks marshall for taking the time to uh, call in and share that with us um i'm gonna start with the sleep paralysis part I've had sleep paralysis before, but I've never experienced it the way that uh, you recall it, like things being infinitely far away or you, like you said, you being tiny or huge. Mine was always just really just this innate fear that I felt. That was, that was the most prominent part. Like I was awake, but I may have also still been asleep, but I knew that I couldn't move. And I knew that I was afraid. I don't know what I was afraid of. I didn't see any entities or anything. I didn't see the uh, the like globe that you you described. But I don't know, man. It, it was just like this ultra anxiety and just this fear that I. It's it's hard to even explain, really. So in in your two encounters, I know you didn't mention it, but did you have any of that like like this fear, this anxiety? It's one thing I would ask. Um, another thing is <laughs> the DMT. That's funny that you bring that up because anybody that knows me, Steve knows does a lot of DMT. That is not true. I've never done DMT <laughs> or I definitely would have talked about it on the podcast, but I have an open invitation to pretty much anyone if they would like to do DMT and have us record what they see like as an episode, we are totally for that because I hear and read stories about when people blast off on DMT they see different entities, yeah. they see aliens, metaphysical beings, and all this shit. Yeah, like Rogan. Rogan will talk about it. Yeah, so I'm just putting an open invitation out there. If someone wants to get together and they're all about that life and want to do that while we record it, I feel like it would be super fucking interesting to kind of listen into that that experience. It would be strange, and I wonder if you could. I wonder if we could navigate the waters for them. I don't know. I'd, like if they I'd almost see, want to do it twice. You know what I mean? Like, like if they see something and you're like, hey, well, ask it this and tell me what it says. Yeah, that's That'd be true. fucked up. Another thing that, because they're, I mean, Steve pretty much hit it, but I had a thought about your first two encounters. And this is kind of uh, playing psychiatric, psychologist shit. But you said that the first ones, if I recall, didn't he say they happened when he was younger, like a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It makes me your two descriptions right out of the gate of, uh, feeling far away and then feeling 
like you're bigger than everything. I wonder if that had something to do with things that were currently going on in your life. Like, cause the first one, I mean, I think about it and it's like, well, I feel disconnected from the world. I feel far away from everything. And then your other one is kind of like being trapped in a cage, like you're being suffocated and claustrophobic in a way. So I wonder if there was something subconsciously going on with you, you know, whether it was not fitting in at school or, or whatever. I don't know. Maybe that's just a different outlook than, than normal, but it just a thought that crossed my mind. I don't know. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could. I mean, <clears throat> people deal with stress in different ways, right? So it definitely could could be an aspect of what was going on. Yeah, and also shout out to Marshall. He's been a big help in like setting some things up for us, or potentially setting some things up for us. I know that he has talked to us about possibly doing a. Uh, walk through of the haunted mineral springs hotel and or yeah mineral mineral springs in downtown That'd Alton. Be sick so he's got some hookups there so that would be pretty dope hell yeah to uh make that happen i know i probably haven't responded to that email but i was searching through here and i saw it so that is fucking dope so thanks again marshall for taking the time to send us your story in and like i said if anybody's <laughs> trying to Walk on that DMT realm and <laughs> want to put it out there live. We are definitely open to that. So, my episode today, I dug into what is possibly a cryptid. Maybe it's kind of up in the air, but I'd never really, I've heard of it before, but I never really dug into it. Right? So, I was kind of thinking, I was sitting here last night. It was late as fuck, as usual, because I'm a procrastinator and I don't do research good. Hell yeah. But I was thinking about, like, how when we were younger, our parents always warned us of shit, you know? Like, they would always warn us of things that go bump in the night. Right. Things that are outside, things that are beyond the realm, and they'd always warn us of these boogeymen. I warn my kid about water. Well, yeah, we know that you do not like water. Yeah, yeah. Because there's megalodons in water. Absolutely. But I thought, like, as we grow older, these fears of boogeymen kind of dissipate. New fears grow in us. Like, we start, We have our own kids. We have our families. Right. We worried yeah. about their health, how we're going to pay the bills, just the day-to-day struggle. But it makes me wonder, like, all these boogeyman stories have to have some sort of background. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes sense. And the further we delve into this podcast life and do our research, the more of these boogeymen we see. Hatman. Shadow Man, Dog Man, Sasquatch, Aliens. And it really makes you wonder, like, maybe this shit holds some water. So as I'm digging through here, this one kind of, like, grabbed my attention right off the rip because he's, it's just, I'm just going to get into it. It's the Grinning Man. I don't know if anybody's heard that before. I've you heard probably of him. have. I know, I do believe some aspects of it was mentioned in Hellier but I don't know if they exactly referred to him as the Grinning Man. We're going to get into it. First off, he said to stand about seven feet tall, muscular build, broad shoulders, small beady eyes that are set just a little too far apart, and he's usually wearing a metallic reflective form-fitting suit. Sounds scary already. Yeah. His head and facial features are said to be completely void of any kind of hair, which kind of reminded me of the way you describe the aliens in Travis Walton. Yeah, yeah. Except, so, I mean, he sounds weird, but he doesn't sound too imposing. 
But as you can guess from his name. Dude, if he's wearing a fucking reflective jumpsuit, I'm going to be fucking scared and, of him. And apparently he's tore because they say he's <laughs> muscular and he's got a wide ass <laughs> shoulders. But as you can tell from his name, he has an unnaturally wide, inhuman grin that stretches from ear to ear across his face. Nope. People who see him say they get a feeling of absolute dread. Uh, one even stating that she felt like she was staring into the face of death or a demon when she saw him. That's comforting. Yeah, so it brings us to the conclusion that Hell this yeah. grin probably isn't a grin of happiness or amusement. No, it's just malicious. But one of malevolence. Yeah, he's like... He's uh, one of the witnesses that. is quoted to say, his mouth smiles, but his eyes do not. That's fucking creepy. <laughs> so from there, I decided to start digging through the sightings of the Grinning Man. And as we get through it, you're going to start to become... Or you're going to hear some familiar names from other cryptids. They all like he ties in with one of the most popular cryptids on the history of the planet. And we're going to get to it. Uh, the first sighting happened on October 12th, 1966 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Two boys, Martin Munyov and James Jankaitis, were walking home from the movies at about quarter till 10 in the evening. I figured they were probably trying to rush home to probably make curfew or some shit. So they decided to take a shortcut beneath the infamous New Jersey Turnpike. The road had a large chain-link fence running along the side, and beyond that was a steep slope that led up to the bottom of the turnpike. That way you can kind of visualize what's going on. They're in this dimly lit tunnel, basically. Yeah. And probably probably somewhere where teenage boys don't need to be. Yeah, I was going to say. In the middle say. of the night in New Jersey. So they already had this threat of missing curfew and it being late and being in this shady-ass spot. So I imagine that they were pretty nervous, but what made it worse while they were at the movies, they had heard two people talking about a woman from their town that had been chased by a large man wearing a green suit earlier that evening. Hmm. Interesting. So that kind of added to their anxiety as they were walking home. They'd almost made it out of the tunnel when James noticed standing on the other side of the chain link fence near the mouth of the tunnel was a man standing in the bushes. He elbowed his buddy Martin and he said, who's that? Both boys looked at the being when they noticed how big the man was and how incredibly physically fit he, he, was, he was. They also noticed the bright green reflective suit he was wearing. Sick. <laughs> but lucky for them, the being seemed to be uh, focusing all of his attention on a house that was about 200 yards away from the mouth of the tunnel. So the boys are standing there looking, trying to figure out what the hell this thing is old boy starts to turn around and look at him. When they did, he started to smile, and they said that they saw the grin stretch from ear to ear. And, of course, as anyone would do, when they see that crazy shit, they took off running. Well, hell yeah. Reports from there kind of vary. Some reports I read that the being started to climb the fence and chase them. Other reports I read that he just stood there and was watching them. Either way, fuck that. It would be scary enough to see that dude anyways. And then I had a funny afterthought here. Uh, do you think that whenever the green man takes chase that you just hear... From his foil suit? From his foil suit. Probably. Kind of like being in one of them jogger, windbreaker style. Yeah. And they say it's like form-fitting, so he's like in a smedium. Well, yeah, so... <laughs> Anytime, anytime they talk about him, I just see him there just flexing, like, just me. Oh, just medium. That's why he's smiling, because he knows he's fucking ripped. Exactly. I mean, I believe me, I know plenty of people 
they work out and they do tend to have habits of <laughs> looking in the mirror and flexing and just being stoked. And flexing the whole time. Absolutely, yes. Just constant windbreakers all their life. <laughs> Interesting, but not necessarily connected, but probably connected, is that less than 50 miles away, reportedly the exact same time the boys had their sighting, a police officer and his wife reported seeing a UFO described as being extremely bright an extremely bright light every bit as big as a car near an explosive plant water reservoir eventually the craft dipped behind a hill i mentioned the explosive plant because later on we're going to get into an entity that is said to hang around old explosive plants oh great i thought you were going to link grinning man to explosives i'm like this might, motherfucker's a terrorist now he might use them i don't know but on the other side of this hill were two more police officers, Patrolman Edward Wester and Sergeant Benjamin Thomas, who both reported also seeing the UFO. Thompson goes on record saying that the UFO was so bright that it temporarily blinded him when he exited his cruiser to investigate it, stating that the, the event affected his vision for almost half an hour after seeing the craft. Damn. So this will be the first of many UFO ties to the Grinning Man. That dude's either got... Astigmatism really bad, or there's a bright ass UFO. That motherfucker was bright. So this that's where it kind of muddies the water as to what this is. Is it a cryptid? Is it an alien? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. The rash of UFO activity though brought in an investigator to town. This man is John Keel. Anyone who's familiar with the Mothman encounters will know his name, as he went on to write the Mothman prophecies. So as John is investigating these UFO sightings, he gets wind of the green-suited man terrorizing Elizabeth, New Jersey. He decides to go and interview Martin and James, and he interviews the boys separately. Both of their stories are alike and corroborate one another, leaving John to believe that the boys did, in fact, encounter the strange entity. They said they weren't sure if it had eyes or ears, but they did know that he had a huge, quote, shit-eating grin on his face, end quote. They also now I picture him without eyes and ears, and it's just way fucking creepier. Just, just a fucking smile. Oh, fuck that. Dude, there, there are some creepy-ass encounters I come up on. Fuck that, dude. Um, they also stated that he was taller than Keel's fellow investigator who stood at six foot two. Keep that in mind that this was before any of the Mothman encounters happened, right? Gotcha. I, I made a note to point that out. The second sign, sighting. Again, anyone familiar with Mothman Encounters will start hearing some familiar names at this point. Less than three weeks later, 500 miles away, sewing machine salesman Woodrow Derenberger was driving home from Marietta, Ohio to Mineral Wells, West Virginia. He was driving along the I-77 interstate when at about 7.30 p.m. he heard what he thought was a loud crash behind him. Immediately after, a large craft zips past him and turns sideways in front of his car, blocking both lanes of traffic. So clearly he has to stop. Because this fucking UFO, yeah, fucking just his way. Bad. <laughs> this caused him to pull over, and he described the craft as having fire emitting out of both ends, and it hovered about six inches off the ground. He stated that the vehicle looked something like a kerosene lamp chimney. So I'm like a kerosene lamp chimney. So I googled it, and if anybody has a kerosene lamp at home, like when the power goes out, you light it and shit. It's the glass part that goes on top of the lamp. Gotcha. So, um, imagining this, your glass kerosene lamp turn sideways with fire shooting out of both ends. Seems counterproductive, but yeah, I don't know much about UFOs, so... 
So he says, once both vehicles were stopped, a door in the middle of this craft opened up. A tall, muscular entity exited the craft. His description pretty much matches exactly those of the two boys, except this time he states that the being was wearing a blue metallic reflective suit as opposed to the green one. He also noted that the being sported a huge inhuman grin. Hmm. So the being made his way to Derenberger's truck and the craft closed its door and took off. Once the grinning man got to his window, it began to communicate with him telepathically. It's, it started referencing itself as cold and started asking many questions about the surrounding area and its people. Upon seeing a light emitting over from a nearby town, the being asked, what is that over there? So I'm, I'm picturing they're out here in the middle of the interstate and he just sees this glow of the light from the nearby city and he's curious as to what the fuck that is. To which Derenberger explained... Uh, that this is a town. The grinning man asked if that's where people lived, and he responded as yes, it's where people lived and conducted business. He also started to inquire about recent UFO sightings in the area. After it was done questioning Derenberger, it stated, quote, it's been nice talking to you, Mr. Derenberger. We will be seeing you again, end quote. From there, the craft returned, opened the door, and took off after he boarded it. So... Right now, I'm getting the vibe <clears throat> that Indrid Cold here and the Green Man have something in common. He's he's not Indrid Cold yet. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> but Anyways. you are on the right path. <laughs> okay, so, but <clears throat> the point I'm trying to make is that maybe the original Green Green Man is of the same subset as... Mr. Cold here, like yeah, we get, they're we not get the same. This. They're not the same, but they are the same race, Species, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, yeah. well, I, I that is a theory that I get into. Right. His story is also corroborated when a local paper published multiple sightings from multiple witnesses seeing strange lights in the sky at the same time he had his encounter. So him seeing a UFO is kind of backed up by other people seeing a UFO. I made a note here that I find it odd that Cold refers to himself as we when he parts away with Derenberger, suggesting that there's more than one. Yeah. Because he said, we will be seeing you again. That's a little ominous. So here I've jotted down a bunch of questions of origin, I guess. So like, what is he? Is he an extraterrestrial? I mean, he came out of a goddamn UFO, so that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good yeah, sign. Clicks yeah. a box there. He uses telepathy to communicate. That's Very, abduction 101. Yep. It also seems like he's trying to mimic humans, like with his smile. He can't, but he can't quite get it right. Fuck so that up. All, yeah, it's all fucked up. So that makes me wonder is he a human alien hybrid? That was another thing I was thinking of. Possibility. He's, you know, a little bit of both there. Also, I read stories that he could possibly be a member of the Men in Black. Maybe. Because he's tall, and he's bald, and he's showing up during UFO shit. People get the sense of fear and foreboding when he's around. These are all classic MIB boxes that are also ticked. So, those were just questions I'd written for everybody to keep in mind. At this point, the newly established Grinning Man cross paths with what I've written down is what is pop possibly the most popular cryptid of all time. That is the Mothman. Remember when I mentioned that the UFO was near the explosive plant? Right. Mothman sightings were 
abound in near the abandoned TNT plant in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Just 10 days after Derenberger's experience with cold, the first Mothman sightings were reported in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, sparking a tidal wave of sightings that would eventually end in the tragic collapse of the Silver Bridge. Cold would start visiting and communicating with Derenberger more and more frequently, eventually revealing that his full name was Indrid Cold, and that reports of his encounters became weirder and weirder. Derenberger would state that he actually traveled to Indrid's home planet named Lanulos, and that it was uh, located in the Ganymede galaxy far beyond our own. He was also introduced to other beings said to belong to the same species as Cold, one named Carl Ardo and the other named Demo Hassan. This, of course, caused Derenberger's credibility to kind of take a nosedive because the shit just keeps getting weirder and weirder, saying that his interest in UFOs and the men in black may have caused him to spice up his encounter a little bit, especially after he was gaining a little bit of notoriety when the story was making its rounds. But it's also said that he wasn't interested in any of the media coverage that he was getting. He was just trying to put his story out there. Right. And it just kind of blew up beyond his means. His wife also claimed to have had encounters with the enemy or with the entities. She said that she thinks that they are more nefarious than her husband is led to believe. I could not find reasons why she believed that. She was just, she just stated it. A woman's intuition, homie. Yeah. She claimed that these beings were not only extraterrestrial, but they were also time traveling and interdimensional. She states, and I quote, they're time travelers in the fourth dimension. One reason they can't stay here too long at this time is because they get younger down here instead of older. Their lifespan is 125 to 175 years. But if they stay here too long, they would go back in years and possibly forget how to manipulate their craft. She also states that this isn't an isolated event. Quote, they aren't making contact only around here. They're doing this all over the country, but they find the people of West Virginia to be more receptive. They have taken samples of our vegetation and our animals, and ours are much like theirs. So I've got it jotted down here that it's it really like reading that kind of gave me goosebumps. A little bit. Because she states that they're everywhere, and they're just taking whatever the fuck they want. And it makes me think that Earth is just one big buffet for these. There's some synchronicities there, too, with my next next topic. And I know that I've talked about it on the last episode. But my next topic, that whole fourth dimension comes into play. That's weird. It is weird. That's weird. And they specifically use that phrase, the fourth dimension. It's weird. That's bizarre. It is. Synchronicities, dog. I'm telling you. And as I, I know we plug them all the time, but Hellier, I know, kind of took this avenue in uh, their documentary. So check that out, too. It kind of goes, reaches into the, some of the shit that they were investigating. Um, initially, as I stated, Woodrow couldn't believe all the attention his story was getting and he didn't want all the uproar. But the media coverage would take a toll on everything in his life, eventually ending his marriage. His wife would relocate their children to Cincinnati, Ohio, far away from the encounter. Their daughter states, she recounts that when they were all living together at her farmhouse, she was scared. This is quote, at our farmhouse, I was scared to go to sleep at night because there were guys with guns in the trees waiting to see what was going on and wanting to see the spaceships. I can't even imagine the stress that it would put on Derenberger knowing that all these good old boys were out in his woods waiting to fucking ambush the aliens. That's a smart move. 
So his initial encounter would pretty much cost him everything. He ended up losing his job. He lost his marriage. He lost his family. And I mean, essentially, some people would say he even lost his mind because like, as I stated, he, his stories just kept getting more and more and more far-fetched. He eventually wrote a book called Visitor from Lanulos, and he passed away in 1990. Here is where I kind of go off the rails a little bit. Let's so do it. fucking bear with me. I was researching this at 3.30 tomorrow, or 3.30 in the morning last night, and I took a turn for the worse. Let's go. So I'm going off their names here, right? Indrid Cold. I put it in an anagram search. And if you tweak the spelling a little bit, you get Lord Cinder, which is kind of creepy. Sounds you know, nefarious as like all fire, fuck. Fire Lord. Yeah. It's kind of fucking weird. Yeah. The other being Carl Ardo, who he came up with. You anagram that. Motherfucking Dark Lord. Sick. Dark Lord. Sick. We got a okay, so we got two pretty, lords. Pretty clear path right now. Fire Lord and Dark Lord. Sick. So then I got De- Demo Hassan. First thing that stands out in my brain is demon. You can right. easily pull demon from that. Oh yeah. Which leaves you the letters H A S S A left over. Which I looked up just that word Hassa Hassa, and I found in some languages it means grace by the Lord. So you would have demon grace by the Lord. And in other languages, it is also said to have meant laughter or laughing demon. Which is even more, both of them connect in the current play. And then the laughing demon totally plays into the fact that they smile like fucking idiots. Yeah, so you got two lords and a demon here. Sick. So maybe they're not extraterrestrial at all. Maybe they're demons. So <laughs> you can also spell the word Sasha with the leftover letters. Which I had looked that up. And in looking up Demons and Sasha, it brought me up to Beyonce. Who says Sick. that she channels she channels an entity named Sasha Fierce? Who is people think that she may be possessed by this entity? So I'm doing a six, awesome. de- six degrees of separation here. I go from the grinning man to Beyonce. Well, what podcast has a sticker of someone resembling Beyonce? The Hollis Guy Podcast. These guys. Six degrees. Boom. Episode done. See you guys next week. Rad. Psych. Back to the story. Anyway, I just thought that was fun. I went on this rabbit hole. I was fucking losing it. But it is weird that these names. That is really. Um, it's, it's fucked up. I don't know. If, I haven't heard of anybody else making that connection. I found I found uh, the fucking Dark Lord on Reddit. So then I started plugging these other ones in. And I was like, what in the fuck? What, I mean, what are the chances, right? That they all play into this little area together. It's 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 got to be by design. It has to be. There's no way that it's just that coincidental. And I don't think, I don't feel like a fucking sewing machine salesman would put all this fucking work into it. You know what I no. mean? Like even to the point to where they anagram these these words. No. Like let's come up with a name that when you swap the letters around, it spells Dark Lord. Dude, I'm I'm even going as far to say that there's no fucking way that he would dissect Hasa from a different goddamn language. <laughs> yeah, that too. There's no fucking way. That too. That too. Back to my story. So this time, Point Pleasant and the surrounding areas weren't just rife with sightings of humanoids such as Mothman and the Grinning Man but it just seemed to be a fucking hub for everything paranormal. 
UFOs were all over the place. Uh, people reported upticks of hauntings and so poltergeist weird. activity. That's so weird because literally, like, you're breaking this down and the, the, the synchronicities just keep piling on to the next episode that we're going to do. Perfect. Like, it just keeps... It's so weird hearing you, like, say... Because my episode's fresh in my head because I did, like, four hours straight last night. And so I'm hearing all these things and I'm like, holy shit, that's, like, right out of my episode. Fucking perfect. It's fucking weird. So right now we've got... He could be an alien... Yeah. He could be an interdimensional being. Well, there are them dicks that believe that aliens are demons yeah. or vice versa. He could be a demon. Now we get another little weird aspect here. Great. So one of the local families that were dealing with such activity were the Lily family. They lived in a semi-secluded rural part of town, but as with many families in the area, they had recently been filing reports of seeing strange, silent, multicolored crafts flying over their property. Mr. Lily is quoted as saying... We've seen all kinds of strange things. Blue lights, green ones, red ones, things that change in color. Some have been so low that we thought we could see diamond-shaped windows in them. None of them made any noise. Meanwhile, they were also dealing with ongoing poltergeists in their home. Objects being moved and thrown by themselves. Some were seen levitating. And they reported phantom noises and such. Typical haunted house bullshit. Right. This all culminated one evening when their daughter, Linda, awoke one night to a faint clicking noise in her bedroom. Nope. That, oh, I was going to say, because that makes me think of fucking signs. Yeah, hopefully. Nope. Uh, so after she woke up, she saw a tall figure in the corner of her bedroom. Essentially, she's watching her sleep. She stated... <laughs> That's a little rapey. It was a man, a big man, very broad. I couldn't see his face very well, but I could see that he was grinning at me. He walked around the bed and stood right over me. I screamed again and hid under my covers... But when I looked again, he was gone. She ran into her parents' room and insisted that there was someone in her bedroom. It scared her to such an extent that she refused to sleep in her room for months afterwards. Interestingly enough, though, the poltergeist activity died down almost immediately after she had her encounter with the grinning man. Dude, that would be creepy as fuck. I would have, I would have lost my fucking mind. Could you imagine? Even at this age now. Waking up and seeing some tall ass hat in the corner with that big ass creepy smile on his face. Yeah, I just keep picturing him. Just fuck that, dude. Like it's the only way his face can Ugh. stand there. I know. Like I have. I'm doing. I, the I've face never right even. Now. Yeah, I've never <laughs> even seen a picture of the grinning man, but I have it seared into my brain already. <laughs> Another interesting thing that I found that just as the Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant virtually disappeared after the bridge collapse. So did the Grinning Man sightings. They both showed up That's at almost strange. the same time and disappeared at almost the same time, That's which kind of comes into my theories after I get through the rest of these. So even though they did diminish greatly after the Point Pleasant flap, they did not disappear completely. I found a few other encounters leading all the way up to present time that I felt that I would share with you guys. There was a small rash of sightings that I need to note in Provincetown, Massachusetts in 1966 and 67, which is the initial time of the initial uh, sightings. It's reported that a giant prowler, that was, quote, giant prowler with a fixed grin and beady eyes lurked about local neighborhoods. There are um, news reports, newspaper reports of these, but they are not published online. I searched and searched and searched, and I could not find anything on these original Provincetown, Massachusetts encounters. Just the fact that it was recorded that people were seeing some weird shit. 
Um, it was reported again in Scotland in 1972. This encounter is fucking creepy. A woman named Mary McRae lived with her husband, Alan, near Dunkeld, Scotland, right on the edge of the Cairn... Carngorms National Park. I'm sorry if any of our Scottish people are listening and I mispronounced that. Please feel free to correct me. They were an older couple. Their co- or their children had already moved out on their own, so it was basically just her and Alan living in their remote house. Their closest neighbor is reported to be a mile away. On the evening of November... I didn't have a date. 1972, the couple turned it in around 9 p.m., which is the usual for them. They sat in their bed and read for about an hour before turning the lights off and retiring for the night. Mary states that later that night, early in the morning, she was awoken by what she described as an indistinct clicking sound. She found herself laying face up in bed, paralyzed, struggling to breathe. She was completely terrified and almost in a panic because she hadn't experienced anything like this prior to this time. It's really classic sleep paralysis stuff, but studies on sleep paralysis hadn't came to light in the early 70s, and the the term wasn't even coined back then, then, I don't think. The clicking sound got louder and louder until she almost couldn't stand it, like it was audibly hurting her. When she suddenly realized a discrepancy in her bedroom, she recalled that she'd closed their curtains before they went to bed, as she does every single night. It's her routine, shut the shades and go to bed. But she could see now that the curtains were open. During this encounter, she felt a horrible feeling of dread and being watched, which usually accompanies sleep paralysis. But a slight movement at the bottom of her, or at the bottom corner from her window, snapped her out of it. To her horror, she saw a face staring back at her from behind the window. It was a bald man who had beady, wide-set eyes, and you guessed it—a large, malevolent grin. As she looked at the being, she found herself not being able to turn away from it. Then she felt herself begin to levitate out of bed and move toward the window. She remembers trying to cry out to her husband for help, but she couldn't muster any words. From that point, she blacked out and awoke the next morning, not being able to remember what happened after the levitation. She recalls having a severe headache that lasted for the better part of a week, but she clearly remembers waking up to the curtains being open, basically eliminating any questions she had as to whether it happened or not. Right. That one That one would, I don't know. Now, every time I hear a clicking noise, I'm going to think it's fucking him. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know, like... Like, was it a mouth clicking? Was it a mechanical clicking? It doesn't matter. It's fucking terrifying regardless. Yeah, I would want some crazy fuck. And what's amazing is that, like, everybody's description is damn near spot on. Yeah. Like, they all significantly point out the fucking, he's tall, he's bald, he's got beady eyes and a big-ass smile. Yeah. Like, even if his outfit changes and he accessorizes, <laughs> like, they're still hitting these key points. You know, that it they're not deviating from it. So they've all got to be at least seeing, it may not be the exact same one throughout time and place, but they're seeing the same thing. It's fucking weird, It bro. is weird, man. He was spotted again in 1979 in Italy. December 1978, 26-year-old night watchman Pierre Zinfredo was doing his nightly rounds in a village of Torig- Toriglia, Italy, where he claimed to be abducted by three giant yellow-eyed reptilian aliens. This would be the beginning of a series of horrifying abductions that would initially or would eventually culminate in his encounter with the Grinning Man. Oh, great! So, so this now dude has the reptilians. This dude has dog shit luck. Not only is he being abducted by the reptilians, but now he's got to deal with well, those, you know why? Smiley. You know why he's got dog shit luck? I was I was literally thinking this when you started reading this paragraph. 
It's because he's a night watchman. Yeah. It seemed like night watchmen always get screwed. Shit happens all the time. <laughs> Dude, it's so shit luck. Almost exactly a year later in 1979 at around 9.30 p.m., Zanfretta had pulled over at a local gas station near downtown Genoa. He reported to hear someone calling for him from the side of the gas station. It was dark and he couldn't see very well, but being a watchman, he went over there to check out everything. The side of the station, he saw a tall humanoid figure, bald, with an, quote, egg-shaped head. He said it was dressed in a shiny checkered suit with a steel chest plate. He was also sporting a large grin that stretched across his entire face. Of course he was. So this, now... This dude's got some bomb-ass wardrobe. Yeah, so he just came out of, like, the disco era, went back into medieval times, grabbed him a chest plate, and he's ready for Damn, war. I didn't even think about him time traveling. Yeah. Shit. Dude, this guy is just straight. He's just, he's just accessorizing like a motherfucker. Again, the creature is said to have communicated telepathically. He ordered the guard to drive his vehicle into a small cloud that was hovering nearby. Zamfreda complied, stating that there was something about the tone of the creature's voice in his head that just made him obey the demands. Upon doing so, he stated that his patrol car was lifted, uh, was lifted within the cloud and taken aboard a large spaceship. The watchman stated that the ship was occupied by the reptilians that he had, that had been responsible for abducting him a year earlier as well as large transparent containers filled with strange blue liquids. At least one of these containers are said to contain a body of a frog-shaped being, which was explained to him as being an enemy of ours from another planet, end quote. He also said that the being asked that he be referred to as Indrid Cold. Interesting. So there's another tie-in. I don't know if, if Keel's book had already come out at that point. If it did, there's a chance that Zanfreda could have read it and right. kind of just played off of it. But if it hadn't, that's that's fucking weird. Yeah, if it hadn't come out and he did not read that book but made that connection, that's fucking crazy. I got a couple more smaller uh, encounters here that I found. Uh, from here we go to Connecticut in the 1980s. Author A.J. Deshara spoke of his sister's encounter with the being. She was driving home in her rural Connecticut home on a dark fall night when she claimed an entity drove up next to her in what she reported as a phantom car with an eerie, eerie glow. She looked over to see a hideous creature staring back at her, described as having yellow glowing eyes and a horrible toothy grin. But as quickly as he appeared, the being and the craft disappeared, leaving, leaving a frightening mark on his sister's life and becoming the inspiration for... AJ's novel, The Grinning Man. Another more recent encounter I found was from Roswell, New Mexico. Again, another Weird. fucking hotbed for paranormal bullshit. Weird. This is in 2009. A blogger simply known as HR Zapruder posted an encounter he had with The Grinning Man while driving near Roswell. Soon afterwards, I drove past the man standing in the brush. I thought he was hitchhiking, so I sped past. You know, hitchhikers equals bad news. Anyway, I didn't think much of it at the time as I sped by. I noticed a green glistening, so I inspected my rearview mirror. I saw the man from behind. He was bald, over six feet tall, wearing a sparkling green jacket, and the rest was obscured by the brush. When I arrived in town, I was told by locals that I had just missed a UFO. So that pretty much wraps up the encounters that I found. Well, with, with that, there, there's a triple tie into the the original sighting. Yeah. He's standing in a fucking bush. bush. He had the green suit on and then the UFO. Yeah. So all of these sightings pretty much line up with one another. For the like, most part, yeah. Everybody's seeing the same fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, like you had a couple 
wardrobe changes, but I mean, it's literally the same thing across the board. Yeah. Maybe, and just, they all, maybe he just likes dope threads. Like I said, they all significantly describe the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, there's not any deviation throughout each person, so except for wardrobe. They have to be seeing something. Yeah, you know absolutely. I got some questions and little thoughts I wrote down here at the end. So the Lily family encounter kind of added a whole new aspect to what the Grinning Man could be, uh, considering it was so uh, spiritual, I guess. Like, not spiritual as in religious, but spiritual as in spirits. As I speculated before, could it be an alien? Could it be a member of the MIB? But now it seems like he could be, like, what I got written down is he's like some sort of paranormal interdimensional enforcer. Mm. You know, like he Possibly. went when he went into their house, all the crazy shit stopped after that. Is he like like the intergalactic police or some shit? Because he's thought. also showing up at all of these paranormal hotbeds. That's an interesting thought. Moving around. Yeah, maybe he's some type of corrector. Yeah. Did he show up at Point Pleasant to warn them of the Mothman? who was bringing the disaster of the bridge. Everybody thinks that the Mothman shows up to warn people of disaster. What right. if the Mothman shows up and fucking brings disaster and old Grinning Man was trying to he's stop trying to, Yeah, he's trying to capture him. It's almost like they all broke out of prison and he's sent out to go get him. Yeah. And like when he showed up at the Lily's home with all the rest, restless spirits that plagued the family and were causing all this uproar, he just go in there and he's like, yo, y'all need to chill the fuck out. Right. And the girl just happened to see him. It's an interesting point. But on the flip side of that, is he the perpetrator of all this shit? Did the Mothman show up to try to ward off the Grinning Men, but failed to save the people of Point Pleasant from the collapse that could have been perpetrated by the Grinning Men? It's absolutely possible. Dude, it's like a paranormal throwdown. Were Mothman and Grinning Man part of the same species? Is what I'm wondering. It's a possibility. Could they all be from the same realm, from the same, same dimension. Same dimension, yeah. Just following each other back and forth. Also, another little tidbit here I've got written down is could all these just be concoctions of stories perpetrated by John Keel, who made a fuck ton of money writing books about these encounters? He liked the Mothman prophecy. As far as I can tell, my research in my research and other people's research, the first three encounters were all reported and recounted by Keel. So that basically allows him to put his biases in and embellish these stories anywhere right, he wants. Right, right. Doesn't account for the ones that happened after Point Pleasant. So unless people read his books and kind of took liberties from his books, people are seeing the same shit even after Keel. Right. So that's kind of all I had. I just thought I'd share those encounters with you guys. Definitely get your brain going. It's fucking weird how they all tie into one another yeah. and how everybody's seeing the same shit. Um, how it kind of intertwines with the Mothman. Everybody knows who the fuck the Mothman is. And yeah. He's a boss-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys. If anybody yes. has an encounter or has seen a Grinning Man, hit us up because we want to know what jumpsuit he was wearing. For basically. sure. <laughs> For sure. Hopefully it was an Adidas jumpsuit. Oh, that'd be sick. And he, he had a just, gold chain on. He was Fred Durst. And he had hamburger meat sticking out of his... He unzipped <laughs> us a little bit. 
Red Nurse is always smiling when I see him. Maybe he's a grinning man. Touche. Touche. Because he probably has connections to Beyonce. And he's always wearing a hat, so we don't know if he's bald or not. That's true. Weird. It's true. He hangs out with Wes Borland, who's definitely an interdimensional being. Weird. We solved it. Forget it, folks. So, check us out at all our social medias. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You know the deal. Search us up. Come hang out. Until next time, stay safe. Stay weird. And if you see the Grinning Man, ask him to borrow his dope-ass jumpsuit for the evening. We'll see you later.